You are listening to the teaching podcast of Praise Community Church in Mason City, Iowa. For more information about our church, please visit praisecc.org. Thanks, John. Great story, great testimony, and again, it just really kind of uh, couldn't have come at a more perfect time because it really kind of dovetails into what we want to talk about today, and and that's about really how Abraham and Sarah stood on some promises of God despite just some overwhelming circumstances that certainly were not in uh, their favor. And so I want to just kind of continue on our series looking at Hebrews chapter 11. Again, we've kind of been really looking at these great champions of biblical faith. And theologian John Brown said this regarding Hebrews 11. I was reading this and it just really kind of struck me. And there he says, Hebrews 11 brings forward a great variety of instances from the history of former ages, and and this was the part I really liked. He said, in which faith had enabled individuals to perform very difficult duties, endure very severe trials, and obtain very important blessings. Now, the tragic mistake of a lot of churches today is we tend to understand, embrace, and kind of see faith solely as the means of obtaining these important blessings and miss what faith really has to offer us, to teach us, to train us in those areas where oftentimes we're called to difficult duties or we're called to endure trials and tribulations. Consequently, what happens is when we encounter those difficult duties or we encounter severe trials and tribulations in our lives, we oftentimes kind of think, man, this is, this is a lack of faith on my part. This is happening to me because I've done something wrong. God is punishing me. And, and so we, we kind of step back from that divine invitation, that opportunity through those difficult duties that maybe God is calling you to or maybe to endure certain trials and tribulations. We step back from that. And what God's really wanting to do is he's really wanting to develop and to deepen our understanding of faith and patience in the promises of God. So what John said is, John said, rather than step back, I stepped into the promises of God despite the difficult uh, things that he was going through at that time. It was an invitation, an opportunity to step into Uh, and to deepen his faith, his understanding, his working of God in his life. So again, faith provides. It gives us this opportunity for a standing, a waiting, a resting ground while we're awaiting the fulfillment of God's promises. That's what faith is designed to do. It's to kind of bring you to this place where you're able to kind of stand and rest and wait until God is able to deliver that promise that he's given to you. Faith furnishes our hearts with a sense of confidence. That's the whole point of faith. It gives us assurance in that waiting room between what God has promised and the reality of those promises coming to fruition in our lives. Faith believes that God exists, Hebrews says, 
It believes what God has promised through his word and knows, is confident that God is not just able, but he is faithful to keeping his promises. So again, it's the in-between time from the moment we receive God's promise until the time that promise is fulfilled. Faith is that waiting room. It's where we gain and grow in that assurance, that confidence that it is going to happen regardless of the circumstances. Matthew Henry defines faith in this way. Faith is a firm persuasion, an expectation that God will, not might, not may, but God will perform all that he has promised to us in Christ. And this persuasion is so strong that it gives the soul a kind of possession and present fruition of those things, gives them a subsistence in the soul by the first fruits and foretaste of them so that believers in the exercise of faith are filled with joy unspeakable and full of glory. That's a great definition, a great understanding, a great perspective. That is just incredible insight into what faith is really about. And we've seen this kind of bubbling up in the lives of these individuals we've looked at so far. We've looked at Abel, Enoch, Noah, and we're kind of currently looking at the life of Abraham. And as you really kind of get into looking, uh, you know, deeply into the life and faith of Abraham, you'll notice a couple of things. First, and I mentioned this last time, is more is mentioned regarding Abraham's faith than any other person mentioned in Hebrews 11. Now again, that's because God's really wanting us to see something in this particular individual. And, and Abraham's faith, you know, where some of them are maybe kind of talked about a verse or two, Abraham's faith is given to us in 11 verses. The other interesting aspect to Abraham's faith in Hebrews 11 is there are really basically three segments of his life that are kind of being highlighted. The first segment is when God called him. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. And we kind of talked about, again, at the age of 76, I mean, if you're not 76 yet, try to put yourself in that place. What would that feel like at the age of 76 for God to call you to leave your home, your family, everything you're familiar and comfortable with, and just go to a foreign land? And not just any foreign land, but a land that, that God did not tell him where he was going. God just said, go, and I'll tell you when you get there. Age of 76, God calls him to leave all of that. Second segment of Abraham's faith includes his wife Sarah in regards to this promise that God had given them regarding a son who they would come to name Isaac. And what's interesting is he was conceived by two people who were beyond, I mean way beyond childbearing capabilities. We're going to talk more about that later. The third segment of Abraham's faith covers the offering of Isaac. Now the other thing that kind of strikes me about this is that as you move through these three faith journeys, these three segments of Abraham's life and faith, you'll notice that the degree of difficulty increases with each one. God didn't just start off with 
coming to Abraham and saying, I'm going to just begin to develop and I'm going to begin to teach you and to deepen you in the area of faith. So let's start off with you sacrificing your son. Whoa, whoa. God doesn't do that. He really kind of starts with something that's a little easier. May not be, you know, fully understandable to Abram at that time, but it's something that like, okay, this is scary, but I can do this. I can leave. I can go to a foreign land that you're going to show me. He doesn't just start with something very, very difficult. And the same is true with us. As God starts you on this journey of faith, he's going to do it in simple ways. And he does that to enable you to kind of begin to grow in confidence uh, of just learning how to hear God, how to walk and to live by faith. And as you kind of grow and develop and deepen in that, God will call you kind of in bigger and bolder ways. Again, he's not trying to shipwreck your faith. He's trying to develop and deepen it so that we're able to believe God for bigger and better promises. That we're able to endure and to overcome, again, greater trials and tribulations. That we're able to prevail in those times where God calls us to perform those difficult duties. So I want to just look at this second segment of Abraham's faith from Hebrews 11. And I'm going to begin there in verse um, 11. It was by faith that even Sarah was able to have a child, though she was barren and was too old. Now, if you don't have this underlined in your Bible, this would be a great verse to underline in your Bible. She believed that God would keep his promises. That's where faith starts. That is where faith begins. And so a whole nation came from this one man who was as good as dead, a nation with so many people that, like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore, there is no way to count them. All these people died still believing what God had promised them. They did not receive what was promised, but they saw it from a distance and welcomed it. They agreed that they were foreigners and nomads here on earth. Obviously, people who say such things are looking forward to a country they can call their own. If they had longed for the country they came from, they could have gone back. But they were looking for a better place, a heavenly homeland. That is why God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. It was by faith that Abraham offered Isaac as a sacrifice when God was testing him. Abraham, who had received God's promises, was ready to sacrifice his only son Isaac, even though God had told him, Isaac is the son through whom your descendants will be counted. Abraham reasoned. He just said, you know what, even if Isaac dies, I know that God is able to rise or to bring him back to life again. And in a sense, Abraham did receive his son back from the dead. So this is kind of what Hebrews 11 kind of highlights, again, as those areas of great faith on Abraham's part. So this portion of Hebrews 11 obviously is referring back to the story found in Genesis chapter 15 through 18. Now I don't have time to go through all the history, so let me just kind of summarize the, the main points. In Genesis 15, following Abram's return from battle, rescuing his nephew Lot, and Pastor Jim did a great job of kind of talking uh, about that. 
Um, and, and he encounters this high priest, Melchizedek, um, and, and uh, in verse 4, uh, there in, in Genesis 15, God promises Abram a son of his own. Now, at this point, Sari is uh, barren. Uh, she's never been able to have children. So eventually, you remember the story. We talked about this um, back when we uh, uh, talked on the story of, who did we talk about? I, I forget now. It's been a while. Yes, Enoch. Thank you, Jim. Jim listens to me. Thank you, Jim. I don't even listen to me. Oh. So anyway, we kind of talked about that, you know, just how Sarah kind of offered, you know, Hagar as kind of a way to kind of get around this difficulty. I can't have children, so I'll give you someone who can. She can kind of stand in my place. You all know that just kind of ended uh, not in a good way. And so eventually, um, when Abram is like 86 years old, Ishmael, through the handmaid of Sarah, Hagar, is born. So if you were here, I mean, I kind of just talked about this, like 13 years go by. And in Genesis 17, God just drops this bombshell. And again, it had to be a bombshell because they're kind of thinking Ishmael is the promise that God gave them back in Genesis 15. Ishmael is the fulfillment of that promise, we're going to have a son. And so they're kind of living under the illusion God's kept his promise. God's been faithful to us in that regard. And, and so 13 years go by, and God just drops this bombshell. And I say it's a bombshell because they're just thinking, you already did that. I mean, it was 13 years ago. Then God said to Abraham regarding Sarah, your wife. Her name will no longer be Sari. From now on, her name will be Sarah, and I will bless her, and I will give you a son from her. Appreciate what you did with Hagar. Wasn't what I'm really kind of going for here. It says, yeah, I'll richly bless her. She's going to become the mother of many nations. Kings of nations will be among her descendants. Abraham, now get this. This is, this is sometimes what we do in faith. Abraham bowed to the ground, but he laughed to himself in disbelief. How could I become a father at the age of 100, he thought. And how can Sarah have a baby when she's 90 years old? Now, again, just put yourself in Abraham and Sarah's place. You're 100 years old, your wife's 90 years old, and somebody comes up and says, you're going to have a baby. I mean, you would hit the ground laughing in disbelief as well, wouldn't you? I would. So Abraham says, you know what, can't Ishmael kind of just get that blessing? God said, no, Sarah, your wife. He's very, very specific. Not Hagar, Sarah, your wife will give birth to a son for you. You will name him Isaac. My covenant will be confirmed with Isaac who will be born to you and Sarah about this time next year when God had finished speaking. He left Abraham. So here is God's promise to Abraham. You are going to have a son and it is going to be through your wife, Sarah. That is God's promise to Abraham. Hold that. Then in Genesis 18, Abraham's hosting three men who appear to him in Mamre. Abraham instructs Sarah to make some bread, a meal for their guests. As the men are eating, one of the men asks Abraham in verse 9, um, Where is Sarah, your wife? 
She's inside the tent, Abraham replied. Then one of them said, I will return to you about this time next year, and your wife Sarah, not Hagar, Sarah, will have a son. Now, Sarah was listening to this conversation from the tent. She's eavesdropping. Okay, Abraham and Sarah were both very old by this time, and Sarah was long past the age of having children. So she does what Abraham did. She laughed silently to herself and said, how could a worn-out woman like me enjoy such pleasure, especially when my master, my husband, is so old? Then the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh? Why did she say, can an old woman like me have a baby? Is there anything too hard for the Lord? I will return about this time next year, and Sarah will have a son. Sarah was afraid, so she denied it, saying, I didn't laugh. But the Lord said, no, you did laugh. No, I didn't. Yes, you did. No, I didn't. Yes, you did. I did. You didn't. I did. No, no, God sees what happens. He knows our thoughts. He knows our hearts. Oftentimes, God knows things about us that we think we're kind of keeping hit pretty, pretty secretly. God knew both Abraham and Sarah's heart. And their reaction is basically about the same. They're both laughing in disbelief. So this is a summation of what Hebrews 11 is talking about there in reference to Abraham and Sarah bearing a child together. So again, what is Abraham and Sarah's faith? Well, after they got over the disbelief and the laughter, the Bible says they both came to a place where they believed God's word and promise to them despite their circumstances. Hebrews 11.11 says, Sarah believed that God would keep his promises. This is really, again, the starting point of faith. You have to know what has God promised you, and then you have to believe that God, his word is true. You have to believe that God is able to keep his word regardless of the circumstances. So in Abraham and Sarah's case, despite their ages, their circumstances, having already uh, had Ishmael, again, God is able to overcome all of that and keep his promises. Now, the one thing that really stands out is God really waits to do this. Once it becomes impossible for either Abraham or Sarah to do it in the natural realm. Did you notice that? I mean, it wouldn't be much of a miracle to me if God did this when they were both fertile and in their 20s. Okay? I'm right? I mean, God deliberately, on purpose, by his divine plan, God purposely waits until it becomes impossible for both of them in the natural realm. Because they come to this point, they have no option but to just cast themselves fully and completely on their faith and trust on God to keep his promises to them. This was only going to be accomplished because God was going to do it. Some of the promises, here, here's, here's, what, here's the takeaway for some of you. Some of you 
okay? Some of the promises of God for your life right now may just be waiting to happen once it reaches the impossible stage for you. There's some of you here this morning, you have a promise for God, and one of the things you're struggling with is that promise hasn't come to fruition. I would submit to you that possibly why that promise has not come to fruition is because it hasn't reached the stage where it is impossible. In other words, there's nothing you can do. There's nothing you can bring to this. There's nothing that you can add to this that's going to bring this to happen. God may be waiting until this gets to the stage where it is just completely impossible. It's out of your hands. It's beyond your control. And then and only then is God going to step in. God did that with the Israelites when they left Egypt and Pharaoh's army pursued them to re-enslave them and they're backed up against the Red Sea, nowhere to go. The sea is behind him, Pharaoh's army's in front of them and God, bring them, God brings them to this place and point and then he does the impossible. God just brings them to the place where it's impossible. We have nowhere to turn. We have nowhere to go. Our options are gone. This is above and beyond us. If God doesn't do something here, we're going back to Egypt or we're going to die here. God brings them to that place, that point, and then does the impossible by parting the waters and allowing them to cross on dry ground. So there are times, and I'm not saying every time, I'm not saying all of you that are waiting on God's promises that this is why, but there are times where God purposefully brings us to the point and the place of the impossible in our lives so that when he moves on our behalf, it is clear to us, it is clear to everybody who's watching that this was totally God and you're not gonna be able to take any credit for it. In some cases, if God would have moved any sooner, we would be tempted to take some credit for it. And see, some of you are sitting there in your hearts laughing, saying, no, I wouldn't. And God is saying, yes, you would. You're saying, no, I wouldn't. God's saying, yes, you would. I wouldn't, you would. I wouldn't, you would. God wins. So the starting point to Abraham and Sarah's faith, again, you got to get this. They had a promise from God. That's where, it's where it started. We, oh, here's the promise. We're going to have a son. I'm 100. She's 90. We're going to have a son. I don't know how God's going to do this because it ain't possible with us. They said God gave us a promise. We believe his word. We believe he is able to fulfill and to keep his promises. That was their faith. Romans 4, I love Romans 4. Romans 4 is his whole chapter on the faith of Abraham. But I want to focus specifically beginning with verse 18. Because this may be where God is calling some of you to this place. To this kind of attitude. This kind of standing, waiting, waiting resting ground 
as you've got the promise of God, and you're kind of trying to, how do I move forward? What do I do with this? Romans 4 shows us exactly what Abraham did in that waiting room between receiving the promise of God and that son being born. I want to just look at verse 18 um, forward. Even when there was no reason for hope, none, no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping. Have you ever tried to do that? that I mean, we read that and we just kind of gloss over it. And we, that's very, very difficult to do. If you've ever lost any sense of hope, it is hard to keep hoping. But he, but he did. He said there was no reason for hope here. But Abraham persevered. He pressed in and he kept hoping, believing that he would become the father of many nations. Why? Because God said so. And God is able to do and to keep his promises. For God had said to him, that's how many descendants you will have. And Abraham's faith did not weaken, even though at about 100 years of age, he figured his body was as good as dead, and so was Sarah's womb. Abraham never wavered in believing God's promises. That is one of the keys to prevailing faith. Notice, it is focused on God's promise, not the outward circumstances. This is where a lot of us lose it. We're going to press into this this morning. Some of you have got a promise from God, but the problem is you're so focused on outward circumstances that you're not focused on the promise. You're not focused on God who is able, despite your circumstances, to keep and to fulfill his promise to you. In fact, it says, the scripture says in Romans 4, his faith grew stronger, and in this he brought glory to God. You want to know how to bring glory to God? Do what Abraham did. In spite of your circumstances, just allow God to increase and to strengthen your faith and confidence in him. He was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promises. Are you fully convinced? Are you fully convinced? Because of Abraham's faith, God counted him as righteous. I, mean, I, I could just stop here and just do a year's worth of sermons off of Romans 4. And when God counted him as righteous, it wasn't just for Abraham's benefit. It was recorded for our benefit, your benefit. His example can become our example. His way of righteousness can be our way of righteousness in that we believe God, we believe his promises despite our circumstances, despite what may be happening around us. This was recorded for our benefit too, assuring us that God will also count us as righteous if we believe in him, the one who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. He was handed over to die because of our sins and he was raised to life to make us right with God. Do you believe that? Is that your faith? Therefore, now, now the word therefore is, is I've said everything prior, <laughs> is what he's saying, to say this, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege. Not a right. Privilege. Your faith is not a right. 
You don't demand it. We don't deserve it. It is a privilege, an undeserved privilege to be a son, a daughter of the Most High God. Thank you, Jesus. Because it was up to me. None of this would be happening. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, underline that. For we know that they help us develop endurance. Some things that are happening in your lives right now, God is developing endurance. Remember what I mentioned at the beginning. Faith is not just for obtaining God's blessings. That's awesome. It's wonderful. It's a part of God's promises to us. But that faith is also useful in helping us to accomplish the difficult duties that God calls us to, the severe trials and tribulations that we're going to go through because of our faith, our witness for Jesus Christ. Because what comes next in Abraham's life there in Hebrews 11, the offering of his son, Isaac. I'm sure Abraham's thinking, man, I thought leaving Ur of Chaldees was difficult. I thought having a child at the age of 100 was tough. God is in the process of developing and deepening Abraham's faith in such a way that he would be victorious in the greatest challenge to his faith than anything else he would encounter along the way. Abraham is able to endure all three of these events in his life because of his unwavering, confident faith in God's promises and that God is able to do what he says he will do. And in each situation, what God is doing is he's developing, he's deepening Abraham's faith. Let me just finish up with this. Verse 4, and endurance develops strength of character. Character strengthens our confident hope of salvation, and this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. All of this is a byproduct of faith. What are the promises of God that you're standing on this morning? It all begins there. What are, I, I want, I want, I'm not asking you to say this out loud. I'm asking you to answer this question internally. What are the promises of God that you're standing on this morning? Some of you are thinking, I'm not really standing on any. Then you don't need any faith. This is irrelevant to you. I would contend every one of you in this room, you need to have at least one. I, I would pray a variety of promises of God that you're standing on right now. Because without a promise from God, there's, there's nothing to stand on. There's nothing to put your faith into. See, I believe one day Jesus is coming again. And I believe that he is going to judge the living and the dead. 
I believe that Jesus is going to take those believers who have both fallen asleep, who have died, and those who are alive, I believe he is going to rapture us. We're going to be united with him. We're going to rule and reign with him. That is something that I have confident faith in. I believe that, uh, Pastor Mark talked about this, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for your well-being, not your calamity, to give you a future and a hope. I believe that. That is a promise of God I stand on. What are your promises? What are the promises you're standing on? Believing for, trusting. Every one of us in this room should have at least one promise that you can cite, that you can look to, that you can write out, that you can explain, that you can articulate. And stand on that. And say, God, help me despite circumstances that maybe are against you right now, are, are overwhelming, that God, in the midst of this, this is your promise, this is your word to me. John had a word, he had a promise. Jeremiah 31, 17. I think you were like saying it before you went in surgery, I mean, as they're putting him under, as he's coming back out, I think you said, it just was the first scripture that came to his mind. That's a promise. It's a promise. God, this is your word to me. I'm standing on it. If I got to go through this surgery, I'll go through this surgery, but I'm holding on to your promises. You're going to heal my wounds. What's your promise? If you don't have one, it's full of promises. Find where you're struggling in life. Some of you, you're here struggling with sickness and disease. There are promises for your healing in here. Some of you are in here struggling with financial issues. There are promises in here concerning your provisions, your prosperity. Some of you are struggling with addictions. There are promises in here that will free you from those bondages of addiction. But if you don't know them, if you're not standing on them, you're not going to get anywhere. What are your promises that you're standing on? Remember that old hymn, Standing on the Promises of Christ? My, I, standing on the Promises of God. I'm standing, standing, standing on the promises of God. You can't stand on what you don't have. You don't have any promises, there's nothing to stand on, there's nothing to have faith in. So all of you, I want all of you this next week, if you do not have a promise, I'll invite the worship team to come back up. If you do not have at least one promise, will you do me a favor, will you get in the word and just allow God, how did you, how did you come across Jeremiah 31, 17? Okay, he just kind of went through healing verses. He had a need for healing in his life, so he just kind of found a book on healing verses, went through, and God kind of just highlighted that for you, and that's how God will do it. You'll find a particular area where you need a promise of God, and just get in the Word. Uh, you can even just Google promises of God. There are books out there that are full of promises of God. 
If you're here struggling with depression, there are promises of God for that. You just got to know what they are, and then you just got to kind of do that Romans 4 kind of thing. Man, this is God's promise to me. I'm not going to waver. I'm going to grow stronger in my faith, regardless of what circumstances are around me. Abraham did that for our benefit as our example. So I, I just, I'm going to pray for you this morning. I'm going to pray for, for, for those of you. If you do not have a promise here this morning, are you ready to hand out some promises, Jim? You're ready to hand out some promises this morning for people that don't have one? We are ready. <laughs> what we're going to do this morning is we're going to pray. We're just going to invite you. If you do not have a promise this morning, you come up. And, and I just, I'm trusting that the power of the presence of the Holy Spirit in me and in the, and in the ministry team this morning, God's going to give us a promise for you. If, if you don't have one, we want to give you one this morning. Uh, we just believe that God has a promise uh, in his word for that's what That's what I meant by that, by that, Jim. I know you hear the Holy Spirit, so. So Mark and Cassie are going to be up here. Tom and Pam be up here. If, if you're here this morning, you just have absolutely no promise from God. We're going to give you one this morning. Amen? Let's stand. Father, we just thank you, Lord, that all of your promises are yes and amen. That says it all right there. Every promise, God, you give to us is yes and amen. And we know that that word amen, Father, it means so be it. Father, we just come this morning. And God, we want to learn. We want to know that what you did in Abraham's life, it wasn't just for him, but it was for our benefit as well. It wasn't just to teach him how to how to grow strong in faith, how to walk strong in faith. But God, it was an example to us. So God, for those who this morning have a promise or many promises from you, God, I pray, Lord, that this morning, despite the circumstances they are going through, we have the choice this morning that we can grow stronger in our faith in those promises that you have for us. And God, I pray, Lord, that you would strengthen our resolve. God, you would strengthen our faith to just stand upon those promises of God, to know that you exist that your word is true and that you are able, that you are faithful to keep and to fulfill your promises to us. That's why they're yes and amen. Father, for those this morning who maybe are here and really don't have any promise, we want to change that this morning, God. I would ask, Lord, as people come forward maybe this morning that are just looking for a promise, Maybe a promise for sickness. It may be a promise for provision, for prosperity. It may be a promise for deliverance, a promise for peace. Whatever that promise is, God, I pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would just quicken us to be able to give that promise to them. And that, God, in receiving that promise, that, God, they would go and they would do what Abraham did for our example. Father, we thank you, Lord, for every promise that you've given to us in your word. We thank you, Father, for the examples of faith that you've given us in Hebrews 11. And Father, it is our desire to honor you, to bring glory to your name, just as Abraham did. 
We want to bring glory to your name, God, as we stand and see your promises come to fulfillment and fruition in our lives, Father. We thank you for every promise. We thank you for every promise that Christ has given to us. And I ask now, Father, that you would just again speak those promises over the hearts and the lives of your people here. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you're here this morning and would like prayer, we just want to invite you to come forward this morning. We just believe God has a word, God has a promise for you this morning. Thanks for listening. For more information about Praise Community Church, including gathering times and events, please visit us at praisecc.org.